Hello, and welcome to The Wise and the Wicked. My name is KJ. Today we are having a history lesson. We are going to look at the life of Private Wojtek. This is a story of how an abandoned Syrian brown bear cub, yes, a bear, ended up fighting alongside Polish soldiers in the Second World War. So, let's get cracking. Welcome to the wise and the wicked. My name is KJ. I have started this podcast as a means to educate myself and whoever is listening about different historical facts and figures which you may or may not have heard of. This means we look at all things crime, history, the problematic ones and the problem solvers. Today we are having a history lesson. We are going to look at the life of Private Wojtek. This is the story of how a abandoned Syrian brown bear cub, yes, a bear, ended up fighting alongside Polish soldiers in the Second World War. I had never heard of this story, and honestly, when I did, I thought it was fake. But this story is oddly enough true. And a lot of what we do know about Wojtek is from first-hand accounts of two of the soldiers who looked after him the most. Please forgive my horrible um, pronunciation. I tried my best. Polish names are hard. Anyway, these guys, these soldiers are called Dmitry Swalugo and Henrik Zakarowicz. So Dmitry's son, Andres, compiled a lot of his father's notes from his time during the war. And so did Henrik's daughter, Sonia. She gave an interview about her father's time in the war, um, actually the day that he died during his memorial service, she gave an interview. And during this interview, she claimed that she was raised on classical music, opera and tales of Wojtek. Before we jump into the main body of the story, I just wanted to give some context as to how this particular section of the Polish military came to be, just so we can get a better understanding. So, let's get cracking. As we may or may not know, on the 1st of September 1939, Germany invaded Poland. German preparation of this invasion started months previously. These preparations were done by the military, but also with vicious propaganda in order to justify the attack on Poland. In the months leading up to the invasion, German military forces started what was called Operation Himmler. This was essentially a false flag. They wanted to do all they could to highlight Polish aggression towards Germany, which of course did not exist, and therefore they had to invent said Polish aggression. And a well-known incident at this time was the Gleifitz incident. So German forces staged an attack on a radio station in Gleifitz in Germany. And they made it look like this was done by Polish forces. They then sent out a radio broadcast falsely calling for any Polish in Germany to rise up against Hitler. All of these incidents came to light during the Nuremberg trials, which is an episode in and of itself. This makes us think of that infamous quote from Hitler himself. 
the victor will never be asked if he told the truth. Anyway, so when German invaded Poland, they did so from the west. And shortly thereafter, on the 17th of September 1939, yes, two weeks, the Soviet Union invaded Poland too. So they came in through the east. Both empires were able to invade Poland at the same time and not attack each other due to a non-aggression pact that was signed between Germany and the Soviet Union at the time. This was known as the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. This agreement was put into place as a way for them to section off different parts of Eastern Europe between them. Poland became, as you can imagine, completely and utterly overwhelmed at this time. They lost hundreds and hundreds and thousands of soldiers, military leaders and civilians. Few were fortunate to escape to neighbouring neutral countries like Hungary or Romania, but hundreds and thousands of soldiers, military leaders and civilians were captured by the Soviet Union. So Dimitri, our friend from earlier, explained how Soon after the fighting in Poland ended, there were massive waves of arrest, beginning with the intelligentsia and middle class. In fact, anyone thought to be a potential future threat to Stalin's communist empire was arrested and either shot, imprisoned or exiled to Siberia. We heard about people disappearing in the night, including entire families. At this time, the Soviet Union captured anyone they deemed in any way a threat, this included military leaders and politicians, but it also included doctors, lawyers, priests, anybody that they could come up with a decent excuse for being a threat. This was known as the Chitin Massacre. Again, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Horrifying stories. So some, but few privates and the remaining soldiers and civilians that were captured were sent to Siberia to prison camps or war camps or gulags. And of these prisoners was Demetrius and Henrik. The life in these prison camps was said to be hell on earth. Many that were sent there would actually die on the journey to the camp. And those that perished either on the way or in the camps themselves died from starvation, exposure or disease. So those that were in the prison camps were fed what was essentially a starvation diet, which was rations of bread every three days. It was reported that in order to survive, they would ration out what was given to them to try and make it last as long as possible. Prisoners in this camp would be beaten and raped at random, while others were sent to work in extremely cold conditions without proper clothing or equipment. So we're talking Siberia, in the winter 1940-1941. So this is extremely cold conditions. The temperatures in this area would have gone as low as minus 50 degrees Celsius. It is absolutely unimaginable cold. In June 1941, the non-aggression pact was broken when Hitler decided to invade the Soviet Union. And this was known as Operation Barbarossa. And of course, this really pissed Stalin off. He decided he wanted to do all he could to fight back. So in order to build up the forces fighting against the Germans at the time, he agreed to release some of the willing and able Polish prisoners that were captured in 1939 to form his own, in inverted commas, Polish army. This was done under General Wadlaw Anders, excuse me, 
me. The soldiers were then released from Soviet camps and organized into the Polish army under the USSR. So these prisoners were given amnesty then in 1942 when it became impossible to continue to feed them during the war conditions that were happening in Siberia at the time. And they began to evacuate from the Soviet Union to join the British in their occupied territories. So this was a mass exodus of about 100,000 people. But not all the prisoners that were in these camps were actually let free. A lot of them were left to die in the camps. And those that were evacuating were to join the British occupied territories in the Middle East. Dmitry, who we mentioned earlier, joined the Polish army in March 1942. And in April 1942, part of the Polish army were sent to Iran, which in 1942 was known as Persia. In Iran, the Polish soldiers were reorganized and formed the British Resettlement Corps, which is the PRC. So the PRC served as a military formation for the Polish forces who were displaced by war and sought to continue the fight against Germany. The presence of the Polish soldiers in Iran was primarily aimed at training the Polish forces and preparing them for future military operations. As we know, these men were prisoners, so they needed to prepare to then be soldiers. And they were also involved in guarding key military transportation infrastructure in Iran. That was an important supply route for the Allies. So it was very, they were very happy to keep them in Iran. Author Eileen Orr wrote that one day, while this section of the army were carrying soldiers and refugees in military trucks through Hamadan in Iran, they came across a small boy. This boy was extremely malnourished, extremely hungry and extremely poor. They decided out of the kindness of their hearts to offer him some food and some shelter. And of course the boy accepted. After spending a short amount of time with the boy, they realized that he was carrying a bag. And at further inspection, they noticed that said bag was moving. Of course, they opened it. And Orr says, quote, To the men's immense surprise, when they cautiously loosened the bag's ties, a small black snout of a bear cub pushed out. He was a scrawny and unkempt little thing, obviously not properly fed. The bear had been orphaned when his mother was killed by hunters. So this species of bear is known as a Syrian brown bear, which is native to the Middle East and to the Caucasus Mountains. Today, this species of bear is under massive threat due to both excessive fragmentation and illegal bear hunting. These bears can grow about four to five feet long. So that is from snout to tail, I guess. And they kind of weigh in at around 500 pounds. We're talking about big bears here. They, like their other bear family, have huge sharp claws, massive mouths and massive teeth. As soon as the soldiers saw this bear, they decided to buy him from the boy and take him under their wing as a sort of mascot. The boy was happy to hand over the bear as he could not look after him and the exchange was done for some food and some money. The soldiers decided to name the bear Wojtek, which roughly translated to happy warrior. The soldiers were drawn to the innocence of the bear and soon they developed an extraordinary bond with him. As we mentioned earlier, the bulk of the responsibility of looking after this bear was given to two men in particular, Demetri and Henrik. 
They both formed instantly a really, really strong bond with the bear. But it is said that Henrik in particular was very, very close to the bear. In the majority of pictures and documents that we can see of Wojtek at this time was him and Henrik side by side. Sonia, Henrik's daughter again, who we mentioned earlier, said when it came right down to it in 1942, Henrik was probably as much as a stray as the woebegone little bear and his friends bought at the side of a dusty road near Hamadan in Iran. It is said that the decision to adopt the bear and care for it was the result of a combination of many circumstances. So these soldiers had come from camps to find as hell on earth. They found solace and companionship and a sense of morale within the bear's presence. They developed compassion for the young cub and they really wanted to look after it. A lot of these men would have lost their entire families. Another source suggested that amidst the harsh realities of war, Wojtek became a source of inspiration and a reminder of the innocence and beauty that still existed in the world. The soldiers found extreme comfort in the playful nature and high energy of the bear. At first, the cub was very small and feeding him was proven quite difficult. First, they fed him condensed milk from an empty vodka bottle, which worked for the first while. But then he got a little bit bigger, so they would feed him fruits, marmalade, honey and syrup. As he grew even bigger, so did his taste buds and he would often be found in the kitchen scrounging around for anything he could get his hands on. Or his paws on, actually, for that matter. As Wojtek grew, so did his connection with the soldiers. When the soldiers had brief sections of downtime, the bear would love to spend time with them. He would play and roughhouse and even wrestle with them. Of course, whoever was silly enough to wrestle with a bear or brave enough. It is said that playing and wrestling with the bear was gentle enough. There were no injuries, just some scratches and some torn clothes. It is said that the bond with the bear was so strong, it was unclear whether Wojtek was entertaining the troops or the troops were entertaining Wojtek. He would actually go on then to drink beers and wine and smoke, or more accurately, eight cigarettes with the soldiers and he became one of the boys. Dimitri wrote, I soon became familiar with Wojtek the bear and we spent much time together. We all loved him and everyone enjoyed his company. He loved to drink beer from a bottle and when it was empty, he would look through the opening to see where the rest of the beer was. He would accept lit cigarettes, take one puff and swallow them. Of course, by today's standards, it might be seen as animal abuse, but you have to understand that this was 1942 in the Second World War. These soldiers had been to hell and back and they really, really cherished their relationship with Wojtek and by all accounts, Wojtek cherished them right back. In 2011, an 86-year-old Wojtek Nurbaski was interviewed by the BBC. So he was a soldier and he first encountered Wojtek the bear as a 17-year-old. He said, I felt like he was my older brother during those very difficult days of war. His presence was for us, from a psychological viewpoint, very important. So Wojtek the soldier and Wojtek the bear were also very friendly. So Wojtek the soldier would be known as Little Wojtek and Wojtek the bear would be known as Big Wojtek. There is actually a photo that was taken in 2018 
of a 93-year-old little Wojtek standing with the statue of Big Wojtek. Wojtek had, Wojtek the bear here, had an uncanny ability to imitate soldiers. He learned how to use the taps so he could have hot showers, which he immensely enjoyed and did a lot. He would observe the soldiers and help them with various tasks around the camp. He was an amazing physical strength and he would help carry the ammunition crates. It was said that when the men marched, Wojtek would get up on his hind legs and walk right beside them. So when Wojtek was a smaller cub, it was easier to move him around. But when he grew, the process became a little bit more difficult. Fully grown, Wojtek weighed more than 500 pounds. He would ride in the supply trucks at first, but later he would ride in the bay of the recovery truck, which was obviously had more room. A recovery truck is essentially a tow truck for tanks, so you can imagine the sheer size of this vehicle. He would also climb up the crane to get a better view of where they were headed. It is reported that one night, Wojtek was awoken by someone trying to break into their camp. It was a thief looking to steal whatever he could get his hands on. However, he was quickly caught by Wojtek and the thief got such a fright being confronted by this 500 pound brown bear that it resulted in him completely freaking out, getting caught by the soldiers and being arrested. Wojtek was named a hero for protecting their camp. There were more animals of note during the Second World War, and some were used for not-so-nice purposes, but some were also mascots. Two well-known animals in particular were Kasha the monkey and Kirkuk the dog. Wojtek was always very friendly when he came into contact with other animals, and he apparently got along great with Kasha the monkey. Kirkuk the dog unfortunately passed by being stung by a scorpion. And on their route, Wojtek was also stung on the nose by a scorpion. And such an injury, of course, is fatal as their venom can cause death. Wojtek was extremely ill. And for the first day and a half after the sting, Wojtek was in critical condition. Many of the soldiers thought that this was the end for Wojtek. However, Henrik stayed by his side and nursed him back to health. And eventually he made a full recovery. It is said that Henrik never left his side, and after his recovery, Wojtek was back to his usual rascal self. While they were in Palestine, the troops were organised to the 22nd Transport Company Artillery Division Polish 2nd Corps. Once they were in Palestine and given their companies, they were also given their assignment, which was to join the Allies on the Italian battlefront in 19. 43. However, due to regulations against animals in combat, can you believe it? Animals are not welcome on the field of battle. Shocking, I know. Wojtek would have to be left behind. However, the men did not want to leave their beloved Wojtek, and at this stage in the bear's life, he was truly part of the team. He was a soldier like any of the others, and they did not want to go anywhere without him. So, to get around the regulation, Wojtek was officially enlisted in the Polish army. Wojtek was given his own paybook, rank and serial number and he was then on known as Private Wojtek. This ensured his position in the army was secured and although this did not come without its confusion and questions about transporting a bear to the Italian battleground, off he went. <laughs> so either way, the company was on its way to the front lines in Italy. In May 1944 in Italy, 
there were a series of fortifications. This was known as the Winter Line. So the Germans held the western portion of that line and this was fortified with gun pits, concrete bunkers, minefields and barbed wire. The Allies had determined that the best way to break through this German stronghold was to use the mountaintop at Monte Cassino. At the top of this mountain there was a huge fortress and this was a really crucial stronghold for the Germans here. The Polish Second Corps were tasked with dislodging the Nazi defenders at the top of this mountain. The Allies had tried and failed on three previous occasions to capture the stronghold. They had been there for four months, but the untested Polish troops were going to try their hand at storming the German position. So this later became known as the Battle of Monte Cassino. During the battle, Henrik, who would have usually been at Wojtek's side, of course, was called forward to act as a spotter for the shooters. So a spotter, if you didn't know, I didn't know, um, a spotter essentially watches and finds and assigns targets for the shooter. So he'll tell them if their target was missed or hit and he would do so with the use of a specialized telescope. So while Henrik was away from Wojtek, Wojtek mimicked what he had seen the soldier do many times and picked up boxes of ammunition and followed the men under fire. It was then that the soldiers realized their beloved bear was fearless to the sound of gunfire. Given his raw strength, fearless attitude and general want to be one of the boys, Wojtek became a runner of ammunition along the front line. The 22nd Artillery Company became the tip of the spear that would help defeat the German stronghold at Monte Cassino. For his service in this battle, Wojtek was given the rank of corporal. He was also adopted as the official emblem of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company. The emblem was an image of a bear carrying an artillery shell. This would be used on their vehicles, pennants and even their uniforms. When the war was won in 1945, the soldiers were sent across Europe to Britain to Winfield Air Camp in Scotland. And although Poland was not technically part of the Soviet Union, after the Second World War, they became what is known as a communist satellite state of the Soviet Union and therefore under the influence of the Soviet Union hugely. Given the treatment they received by the Soviet Union, it is fair to say that these soldiers did not want to return to Poland, but they also wanted to continue to protect Wojtek. Therefore, he was brought with them to Scotland. While in Winfield Airfield Camp, the soldiers would go through the process of demobilization. Here they said goodbye to each other and goodbye to their dear friend Wojtek. For many, this would be their last time to see him as their journey after the war took them to very distant parts of the globe. Wojtek was given a new home in Edinburgh Zoo, where he would go on to become a very famous tourist attraction. Ex-Polish servicemen would visit him in the zoo until he passed away in 1963. It is said that when the ex-servicemen would go to the zoo that they would reportedly drop beers and cigarettes into his enclosure and they would also speak to him in Polish. Of course, the workers in the zoo did not like this, but they didn't care. They were visiting their buddy. So Wojtek was 21-ish when he died. This was a great age for a Syrian brown bear and although he had a very long life and he was very happy, his death brought immense sadness. Wojtek and his escapades have not been forgotten. There is a memorial statue in his honour right outside the zoo. 
Wojtek remains a symbol which the soldiers are very, very proud of. He represents hope for a time when these men had lost their home to the Nazis and then to the communists. As for his caretakers, Henrik and Demeter, after he left the camp in Scotland, Henrik went to London to study chemistry. He then graduated and moved to Canada. He became a chemist in CCL Toronto. Soon after, he met his wife Patricia and they married in 1954. Later, they had their daughter Sonia. Henrik sadly passed away in 2011. Demetri in his notes, which were combined by his son, said, I worked for the rest of my life as a labourer or a factory worker until I retired. I married a beautiful woman called Victoria Mateo in 1955. We met while on holiday in Spain. We had two children, Andres and Helena. I spent my life after the war living in peace and I am grateful to the government of Great Britain for letting me live a happy life here. I have been free to live as I please and that sadly that freedom has not been experienced by my countrymen until recently. Although the men lived on different continents, Henrik and Demetria remained very close friends until Henrik's passing in 2011. They would say, oceans never keep friends apart. So that, my friends, is the weird and wonderful story of Private Wojtek. Um, thank you for listening and I will talk to you in two weeks with our next weird and wonderful story. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.